Well, last week we talked about a churchy word. (laughs) That churchy word, if you remember, was fellowship. If you were unable to join us last week, I would encourage you to go to our New Life Church of God YouTube channel and you can watch that recording if you so desire. Fellowship is a churchy word. Churchy words are words that Christians sometimes use that have kind of a a special or even a hidden meaning. And you have to be an insider in the church to know what those words mean. So if a person has not grown up in a church family, um, they're left wondering what those words really mean when they hear them used in a church service. And churches need to be really careful about churchy words because they automatically create um, kind of an us-versus-them environment. Churchy words make people feel like outsiders. This is not how it should be. People that are new to a church family should feel welcomed by the way we talk. They should not feel isolated by the way we talk. So churchy words are dangerous. And churchy words also become distorted words. You remember the telephone game you played as a kid, right? Uh, You you got a group of people and one person whispers in the ear a message and then that person whispers in the ear. You you know that. So you start with a, a phrase like, Herman likes tasty pastry donuts. And it ends up, penmen write nasty bogus letters, right? Now, those are two different phrases. Herman likes tasty pastry donuts, and penmen write nasty bogus letters. That's how the telephone game works. And so, they sound the same, right? But I think we would agree, those two phrases have quite different meanings, even though they sound similar. Churchy words are like that, okay? And I I told you last week that I wanted you to remember just one thing about the churchy word fellowship. Does anybody remember the one thing that I asked you to remember about the churchy word fellowship? Anybody? I, I heard something. Common. Common is the one thing. The word fellowship, the root of the word is koine. The Greek word koine means common, koinonia. Common. Fellowship is about what we have in common. I even said that earlier today as a reminder when we talked about the bonfire. Remember that? I said we came together with what we had in common. Koinonia, common. Today, we're going to look at another dangerous churchy word. Worship. Lord God, it is my prayer that as we open up your word, you would speak to us and, Lord, change us, would you? And that's a dangerous prayer. We ask that you would change us from the inside out, that we would be open to just looking at your word, open to you, Spirit, speaking to us. We don't want to bring into your word our stuff. We want your word and you, Holy Spirit, to bring into us. Those are two very different things. Speak, Holy Spirit. We are ready to listen. Amen. Worship 
is a churchy word. Consider this. When was the last time you used or even heard the word worship in a non-church setting? Think about that. Not very often. Not very often. And if you did hear it, usually it's like in a, a trite little phrase, like, he worships the ground that she walks on. Right? That's about as close as you get outside of church for the word worship. Am I right? And yet we use the word worship inside the church all the time. And we use it like everybody just knows what it is. But guess what? That word is very misunderstood. And it is used very incorrectly, even inside the church. Now, I'm on dangerous ground. You start talking about worship, and you're, that's in people's business, right? Don't mess with my worship. Am I right? Don't mess with me, pastor. I like my worship a certain way. Oh, come on. I think I might have to be a little bit careful in how I talk about this churchy word. The word worship inside the church setting has become something quite different, and I would argue quite dangerous. So this morning, I want to answer a simple question, at least a seemingly simple question. Are you ready for this seemingly simple question? What is worship? Thank you for being ready. What is worship? Doesn't that sound like an easy question to answer? What is worship? Well, at, at our church, we believe that this is where you get your answers, right? This is where we start. This is where the foundation is for the answers to our life and specifically to answers about how to do this stuff. So doesn't it make sense we would start there? Can everybody say yes? Okay, yes, this is where we start. All right, so I would suggest that as we try to answer this seemingly easy question, what is worship, I would suggest we start at the beginning. That seems like a great place to start something. Start at the beginning. So um, we're going to open our Bibles in, in just a moment, but before we do, I want to do something uh, I, I call this a pair share. We've done it before. I used to do this a lot in youth ministry. I don't, haven't done it as much uh, on Sunday morning, but I think it's worthwhile to do because uh, I've got this problem, and I said this at the bonfire the other night. Why do we do church staring at the back of other people's heads? I've, I've wondered that my entire life. What a stupid way to do church. I'm serious. How stupid is this? You guys are like, I'm not following you. I'm not following you. I mean, church is supposed to be sharing together what we have in common, right? I think the best way to share is always to talk to the back of someone's head. I think that's great. Don't you? So, a pair share, this is really quite easy. You really just talk to somebody next to you. Whoa, you're going to actually participate a little bit, okay? So, here's what I want you to do. Um, I want you, and now don't worry, if you, this is not a test, you're not going to be graded, you're not going to get this wrong, okay? I simply want you to turn to someone, this is a pair share, so turn to someone and just, just do this one very simple thing. I want you just to, in your own words, 
Just summarize the story of Cain and Abel. Go. If you see someone without a pair, somebody go be a pair with them. Somebody go do it. Go be a pair with somebody. All right. If you brought your Bible this morning, please turn to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. And just to set the context of Genesis chapter 4, I want to remind you that immediately before Genesis chapter 4 is Genesis chapter 3. Whoa. That was stunning. Uh, You can write that down if you want to. That's fine. But Genesis chapter 3 is the story of Adam and Eve's first sin. In fact, the the two verses right before Genesis chapter 4. So immediately before Genesis chapter 4 is God dismissing Adam and Eve from the garden. Okay? So preceding this story, right before this story, is God saying, you cannot be in the garden of Eden anymore. You are gone. And he sets up the cherubim with the flaming sword and all that kind of stuff. So that happens right before Genesis chapter 4. Now, I'm going to read Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. Here we go. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, you will, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is more than I can bear. 
Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, he will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. The story of Cain and Abel. Even people that know nothing, almost nothing about Christianity or the Bible, they know the fundamental basics of this story. Almost everybody in our culture understands this story, or at least has heard of it. You know this story. But I wonder, have you ever considered the fact that this is the first instance of worship? My guess would be, that you are much more likely to consider this story as the first instance of murder in the Bible, but probably not the first instance of worship. Worship. Hmm. Can I remind you, we are trying to answer the question, what is worship? Now, how does this story help us with that question? Let's dig in. Genesis chapter 4, verse 2. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. Okay, so let's just, let's just set the facts. Now, I want you to consider a couple things as, as we do this. And I should have said this before I read the whole story, but it's still worth saying now. I want you to consider what is in this story. Wow, crazy. But I want you to consider more than that what is not in this story. Because a lot of times people automatically assume they know what's in here and they assume that there is stuff in this story that is not in this story. We're going to look at that today. So, let's just look at the bones of the story. Here we go. Two brothers... Cain is the older brother, and he's a farmer. He works the soil. Abel is the younger brother. He's a shepherd. He kept flocks. You got that? Got a farmer and a shepherd. The older brother's the farmer. The younger brother's the shepherd. Okay, we're tracking so far. Not too hard, right? Now look at verse 3. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Now, I want to pause here, and I want to point out something. Cain was a farmer. He worked the soil. He grew plants, right? Again, this is not that tricky, but it's really important. I really want you to know what's in this and what's not in it, okay? He grew plants. Now, That phrase that begins this verse is interesting. In the course of time. In the course of time. Hmm, that's that's interesting. As time passed, Cain somehow realized that it would be appropriate to honor God with some of what he had worked to grow. In Cain's case, it was plants, vegetables, right? Now, Does it sound right to you that it would be good to honor God with the fruit of the work of your hands? Does that sound appropriate? Okay, 
Sounds right to me. Would you just let that simmer a moment in your brain? Let it simmer. Think about it. Let it sink in. It is appropriate to honor God with the fruit of the work of your hands. That is appropriate. Okay, now let's look at verse 4. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. Okay, now Abel was a shepherd, the younger brother, and he, just like Cain, over the course of time, somehow realized that it would be appropriate to honor God with some of what he had worked to grow. In Abel's case, it was some of his flock. Does that sound right to you? Yes. It is appropriate to honor God with the work of your hands. That is appropriate. It was appropriate for Cain, and it was appropriate for Abel. That sounds right to me. Okay, stay with this thought. Both brothers brought an offering to the Lord taken from the increase of the work of their hands. Both brothers recognize over the course of time that it would be good to bring to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the work of their hands to honor God. Seems good. Are you still with me? Yes. So the next phrase is very surprising, is it not? Verses 4 and 5 together. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Why did God accept Abel's offering, but not Cain's offering? (laughs) Aha. We have arrived at an important question, have we not? Yes, I believe we have. Now, I first want to tell you an explanation for this that you have probably heard before, okay? However, this first explanation I'm going to give you, I think, is wrong. So hear this. I'm, I'm going to tell you something, but I'm, I'm going to say it's wrong, but you've probably heard it before. Because I've heard Christians say that God found favor with Abel's offering because he offered an animal. But Cain's was not acceptable because he offered vegetables. The reason for this this explanation, and it it doesn't sound wrong. I bet you've heard that before. That Abel's was good because it was an animal. Cain's was bad because it was plants. It was a vegetable. So the reason why many well-meaning Christians have used this explanation is taken from a New Testament book, the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, verse 22. In Hebrews, chapter 9, verse 22, it says, In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins. Now that is an important New Testament passage, Hebrews chapter 9, 22. You see, that section of the book of Hebrews is all about the shed blood of Jesus being sufficient to cleanse us of our sin, 
in a perfect and one, once-for-all way as compared to the imperfect animal sacrifices that had to be repeated over and over in the Old Testament. Do you see that? Jesus was the final sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice. His blood was sufficient in a one-time sacrifice in a way that animal blood was not. That's Hebrews chapter 9. That Jesus is the sufficient sacrifice. Animal sacrifices are insufficient and must be repeated. Okay? This should sound, yeah, you should be like, yeah, that make, that, this is like basic Christianity, right? This is, this is how it works. What's the key component in the sacrifice? Blood. See that? There can be no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. So therefore, well-meaning Christians throughout the ages of the church have looked at this and said, Aha! That's the reason why Cain's sacrifice was not good enough. They look right at that verse and they say, That's the reason, because vegetables don't have blood. It's all about the blood. You see that? Actually, that sounds pretty good. That sounds like a pretty good explanation. Okay, so we gotta we gotta kill an animal because of the blood and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, some of you have been a Christian for a long time in this room, and my guess is you've heard that. You've heard that explanation about Cain and Abel. Here's why I think that's wrong. Note, I want to be very clear. I am not saying that Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 is wrong. It is not wrong. That is like foundational to salvation. Like Jesus is the perfect once and for all sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. So make sure you hear that. But here's why I think it's wrong to apply that logic to Cain and Abel. And you're like, what does this have to do with worship? Oh, I'm getting there. Okay, here we go. Here's why I think it's wrong. We're going to go to a, a, a very untrodden place right now. We're going to Leviticus. Yay! Who's excited? Nobody. All right. Leviticus chapter 2. I'm only doing three verses, but I want you to consider these three verses. Here we go. Leviticus chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. When someone brings a grain offering to the Lord, his offering is to be of fine flour. He is to pour oil on it, put incense on it, and take it to Aaron's sons, the priests. The priest shall take a handful of the fine flour and oil together with all the incense and burn this as a memorial portion on the altar, an offering made by fire, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. The rest of the grain offering belongs to Aaron and his sons. It is a most holy part of the offerings made to the Lord by the fire. By fire. Leviticus is a description of how the ancient Israelites were to offer appropriate sacrifices to the Lord. And chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, you ready for this? That is the appropriate way to offer a grain offering to the Lord. Did you get that? Hello? Hello? It's okay to make an offering of grain to the Lord. Did you get that? I'm just totally confused at this point. What's going on here? In the law that God gave to Moses, to the people of Israel, the stipulation in chapter 2 of Leviticus, like this is like the, the first instructions. When you make a grain offering, you see, you've got to look at all of Scripture before you just decide to interpret a portion of Scripture based upon another portion of Scripture. 
You've got to look at all of it, don't you, Pastor Mark? You said that all the time when you were preaching. You've got to look at the whole scope of Scripture. You can't pick and choose and apply certain things in certain ways, right? Genesis was before Leviticus. Genesis was before Leviticus. And good thing for Cain because the death penalty in the law for murder is, is death, right? Cain wasn't killed before. Now, why? What's going on here? Okay, you've got to be like starting to get interested in where I'm going with this, aren't you? Because it's like, hold on. If grain offering is okay, then why, did, why was God not okay with Cain's offering? Didn't have anything to do with the fact that it was an animal, not a vegetable. Interesting. Interesting. Going back to Genesis, I want also to, for you to notice something. That's not in the passage. Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. Again, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought the fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. You want to know what's not in this passage? Ready for this? Neither Cain nor Abel were seeking forgiveness. Why did you assume they were? It's not in there. You see, if it's all about the blood and the animal and not the vegetable, that applies to Jesus being the, the final offering as a, as a covering for our sin. They're not asking forgiveness. Now, I'm not saying that that's good, bad, or otherwise. I'm just saying, look, it's not there. Why did you assume it was? What are they actually doing here? They're not looking for forgiveness of sin. What are they actually doing? They were offering a portion of the work of their hands to the Lord. That's what's actually there. Both Cain and Abel realized it was good over the course of time to give an offering to the Lord from the work of their hands. They weren't looking for forgiveness of their sins. They were looking to simply give honor to God. Period. Full stop. They simply recognized that the increase of their crops and their herds was somehow connected to God. And that alone was worth giving back to Him. That's it. There's nothing about sin and forgiveness in this passage. Yet. This is the key point. In fact, I would like to say that this is the most important thing. So last week I said, if you don't remember anything else, remember this one thing. Fellowship is about what we have in common. I'm about to say the most important thing about the word worship. So if you've got a pencil, now's the time to write it down. This thing I'm going to say next, this matters. This is important. Don't miss this. Worship is not about what you get from God. Worship is about what you give to God. I'm going to say that again. 
Worship is not about what you get from God. Worship is about what you give to God. Look again closely at the words on the screen. Are you looking? What exactly did Cain give the Lord as an offering of worship? And what exactly did Abel give to the Lord as an offering of worship? Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. What is the difference between those two things? The key difference is not that it was an animal versus a vegetable. The key difference is that Cain brought some of the vegetables. Abel brought the firstborn of his flock. Firstborn is the key word, not animal versus vegetable. Abel brought his best to the Lord, the fat portions of the firstborn. The fat portions, by the way, the blood's not in the fat. Did it? Did you did you catch that? It's not about the blood. It's not about the sin offering. You you understand what I'm getting at here, don't you? Light bulb. I'm hoping for light bulbs. Okay? That's what I'm hoping for right here. It's not the animal versus the vegetable. It's the best versus the ordinary. It's not the animal versus vegetable. It's the best versus the ordinary. Worship is not about what you get from God. Worship is about what you give to God. Abel brought his best. Cain brought the ordinary. Application time. Oh, I might have you on the hook. And now let's finish the story to help us understand the application of this passage to our lives today. Verses 3 through 8. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, but Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, you will, not, will you not be accepted? But if you do what is... But if you do... I'm sorry. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Look closely at verses 6 and 7. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Do you see what the Lord is doing here? That's called grace. That's mercy. The Lord is actually trying to help Cain understand what was going on and how to correct it. God is, he's giving mercy to this moment. He's giving mercy to this man in this moment. 
God's mercy, grace, and fatherly love is on full display here. He is giving Cain a warning and a way to correct his course. God is trying to show Cain how to modify his worship in such a way that his heart will be made right. You see, God is telling Cain and us something very important. Again, I'm going to say what I'm going to say next is worth writing down. So here you go. Another thing to write down. Here you go. You ready for this? What you bring to the Lord in worship displays what is in your heart. What you bring to the Lord in worship displays what is in your heart. What was in Cain's heart? Ultimately, what was in Cain, what was in his heart? Well, it was displayed, wasn't it? When God said, you need a master sin, the next thing Cain does is murder his brother. By the way, that's premeditated murder. Come to the field. The next thing he does is premeditated murder. And God had just said, turn from that. Sin is about to get you. You must master it. And the next thing he does is murder his brother. You see, the offering that Cain brought to God displayed the sin that was already there. God recognized it. And he said, turn from it. Cain was given an opportunity to repent before he murdered his brother. That's what's there. Do you see it? Cain could have responded differently than he did. He could have asked forgiveness for God. He could have turned away. By the word, by, by the way, that's the word repent, right? I've said that so many times. He could have turned away from. That's repent. He could have turned away from what his offering displayed in his heart. He could have said, Lord, I'm sorry for not giving you the best. He could have expunged that sin from himself. He could have chosen to master the sin by turning to God. But what did he do instead? Verse 8, he killed him. Premeditated murder. He chose to kill his brother. And now what about you? This is where it's going to get a bit personal. When you came to this worship service this morning... Were you prepared to worship? Did you come here this morning ready to give God the best of who you are? Did you come prepared to give the best of the work of your hands? Did you come prepared to give God anything at all? Or did you come expecting God to give something to you? Oh, you know, I, I, hear, I hear people in the church over the course of my life say the craziest thing. They say the craziest things in church, things you, you could not possibly even believe. You ready for some of those crazy things? I'm just not being fed in that church. Just not being fed. I just don't get anything out of worship when we have hymn sing Sundays. I just don't get anything out of worship when we sing those stupid praise songs. They're just repetitious. I just don't get anything out of worship when they've got that darn sound system turned up so loud. I just hate that. 
It just makes me want to walk out. Because I'm not getting anything. It makes me mad. You know, in that church, they only sing one hymn on a regular Sunday. Only one hymn. And like four praise songs. They're so loud. And there's so many guitars. Why is there so many guitars? And then on the Sundays when the youth are in charge, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, what songs are they singing? I think they did a Guns N' Roses song set to different lyrics one time. And it was so loud. Why was it so loud? I'm not getting anything out of this. I'm going to a different church. Sorry, Bon Jovi. <laughs> I don't know my 80s and 90s rock very well. I just don't get anything out of it. What about me? I have to sing certain songs in order for the Lord to give to me what I need. Okay, Cain. Verses six and seven. Then the Lord said to Cain, and I would ask you to listen. If any of those phrases crossed your mind, why are you angry? <laughs> why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do, but if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. I bet you've never heard a hymns versus praise song using Genesis 4 as the text. Now you have. Do you understand when you say things like, like this, when worship is all about you? Sin is crouching at your door. And you know, you can feel it. Because you know that something isn't right about the fact that you're mad because the music's a little bit too loud. You know that somewhere in here. You know that somewhere in here, it's not right when you come to worship and it's hymn sing Sunday and you like grudgingly stand up and go like this when the hymns are being sung. I was trying very carefully not to look around during hymn sing Sunday this morning because I didn't want to incriminate anyone. Do you understand? That's the way of Cain. Do you get it? Worship is about being prepared to come and give your best to God. 
It's not about your expectation and your preference for songs. So stop. In the name of God, I urge you to stop. When you come to worship, come prepared. Don't come expecting to get something. Come prepared to give to the Lord your offering of praise. And when you do that, do you know want to know what happens? It doesn't matter if it's a hymn or a praise song. It doesn't matter if it's too loud. If, by the way, it, it gets too loud when you start to get hearing damage. Okay? If you're not getting hearing damage, that's a preference that you've got a problem with. I don't know if I like where this is going. But I can't really argue it's Genesis 4. But I'm probably going to forget all this and get mad next week anyways. If you don't prefer a style of music, consider that worship is not about your preferences. Instead, check your attitude. Check your attitude. Sin is crouching at your door. What are you bringing to God? Do you come to worship with a heart that has been prepared to give God the best of who you are and the work of your hands? If you have not been doing this, I urge you to do it. Hebrews 12, verses 28 through 29. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. So, worship God acceptably, with reverence and awe. For God is a consuming fire. Hello? I'm going to say a quick prayer, and then I'm going to play a song that I believe is very appropriate for this moment. A song you've heard before, but uh, the video part of this song is not very spectacular. It's pretty much just words. I would like you to sit quietly and just listen and read the words of this song. It is worth your time. So I will close, and as soon as this song's done, we're done. Lord God, I pray that you will accept the offering of praise that this group of believers in you gives to you. Help us, Lord, to have patience and grace for those that have different preferences than us. And yet, may our preferences not be what it even sounds like it is, but may it be something completely different, that we are simply here to give to you our best. We love you, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please listen to this song. When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come. Longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within. Through the way things appear You're looking 
Deeper 